Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 achievers growing our lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. How do you prepare? By learning how to take faster action instead of feeling paralyzed or letting yourself dwell on why did this, instead of saying, why did this happen? What did I do wrong? It's like, how do I get through this and how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are doing another episode of Behind the Scenes of Building a Business. And I'm sitting here with my co-host, Lauren Kuhlman. And you guys, if you want to be able to text your questions to us and let us know what your questions are, you first have to join the text list because that is what we're doing today. We are going to be answering all of your questions. So you can text the word light pink, L-I-T-E-P-I-N-K. That is two words, L-I-T-E-P-I-N-K to the number 310 496 
800-268-8363. And Lauren will send out a text usually once a week or every two weeks where we are asking for your questions for this podcast and potentially giving you a shout out on what those questions are. So Lauren, what are some of the questions that we have from our listeners today? All right. So the first question is, how do you best prepare for the unknown challenges of life and business? This is such a great question because sometimes I think we get stuck here instead of just moving forward and taking action on what is in front of you or before even getting started. I feel like a lot of people are stuck on what happens if, or what if I don't see this coming? And Lauren, I know in this business, like there are so many things that even if we sat for a whole freaking year and tried to prepare on, we would have never seen them coming. I think this just happened with us, right? With a contract recently where we literally spent like a week solid being like, okay, what could possibly go up in price? What are some unexpected prices that might end up being added to this? And we did all of these different things with this contract to make sure that we were fully prepared. And yet just one week after signing it, there were extras on there that we that we were not prepared for because there are some things that you just you can go over everything and something can come up outside of scope or something that you didn't see coming that could, you know, prices could be raised, things like that. So I don't necessarily think that you can prepare for everything, but you can do what we did, whether it's a contract or whether it's just in life in general, you have to just sit and say, what are all of the obstacles that could potentially get in my way, write down all of those obstacles. If this, then that kind of idea. If this happens, then I will do this. If this happens, then I will do this. If something arises that I didn't see coming, then I will do this. And that's pretty much, I believe, every day as an entrepreneur, don't you, Lauren? Like every single day as running a business is, if this, then that. You have to just know that you will figure it out. One million percent. I feel like that's literally our day every single day. And I'm just used to it now. So you prepare the best, like you said, of asking any upfront questions you can possibly think of and expecting for the unexpected. So you're not surprised, but you just can't Mm -hmm. be surprised when like a challenge comes up that you haven't thought of still because it's going to happen. So you just say, okay, from here, what's my next best option? This is maybe the Mm -hmm. worst case scenario, but what's my next best option to get me out of this? Because there is a way to get out of anything. You bring up a really great point because I think that the main thing that I want to drive home here is just learning how to not sit in the surprise or feeling surprised. Like the faster that you can just say, okay, what's the solution? That's how you're going to prepare. Like that's literally how you're going to be ready for the unexpected is to know how you're going to react in the unexpected. I think for a lot of people, they're just like, well, I don't know what to do. And I I feel paralyzed. The faster that you can say, okay, when unexpected things occur, I'm going to call a meeting immediately. I am going to take instant action. I'm going to call a mentor. I'm going to try to get a hold of somebody, even if I don't know them, who's been through this before. Like how fast will you take action when the unexpected occurs? And I think that that is the 
thing that makes us feel like we can get through anything is because we're such action takers. So how do you prepare? By learning how to take faster action instead of feeling paralyzed or letting yourself dwell on why did this, instead of saying, why did this happen? What did I do wrong? It's like, how do I get through this? And how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? So true. And I also feel like it's happening always for us because we're Mm -hmm. always growing from these. So we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have the challenges we have literally every single day. So don't try to avoid the challenge. Just know that it's going to come maybe every single day, but you're getting stronger and growing and learning so much to set you up for what is still coming your way. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of grateful that we have a challenge every single day. I couldn't agree more because now the confidence that you build and the wisdom that you get from the challenges is irreplaceable. It's almost like even if we sat down at a table full of mentors in the beverage industry and the alcohol industry, it's almost like, yes, it's great to hear it. And yes, it helps us avoid things by learning through their problems. But when you go through them on your own, it is like an irreplaceable, unshakable confidence feeling when you get to the other side of them. And because of the challenges that we have gone through, I'm kind of like, okay, throw it at us. We'll figure it out. Like we will absolutely figure it out. And I, I know that we couldn't sit here right now, both smiling and shaking our heads if we haven't gone through the laughable challenges, meaning the crazy challenges that now we can laugh at, but in the middle of it, we were not laughing. Actually, we might have been like, holy shit, I actually can't believe this is happening again. But now real feeling of like, this is life, like roll. I truly know where the saying roll with the punches came from because they're daily, but they don't have to be negative. They don't have to be negative. They're just problems that are requiring your brain to come up with solutions. And that is running a business. And I look at who's successful in business and it's the people who just look at everything as just a thing. It's just a thing happening. It's not something against you. You're not doing it wrong. You're not a freaking failure because things are going wrong. They just go wrong. It's just what it is. And the more that you can come at them with just solutions, the more you're going to be successful. Yep, 100%. So just become solution-oriented and you're going to figure everything out. Amen. With fast action. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. She's <laughs> like, let me add quickly to that. Yes. <laughs> we got to wrap that one up with the fast action. That was yep. huge. Okay. So second question is how to get from concept to pitch to bringing everything to life. When I was first thinking of Light Pink and doing a beverage company, the first thing that I did was I Googled how would I start a beverage company or how to start a beverage company? And then because it was alcohol, I had to start Googling, how do I start an alcohol company or a direct-to-consumer wine company? And it brings you down this massive rabbit hole. And you have to then start thinking of what would my first step be? And a lot of times when I was Googling how to start a beverage company, they talked about something called a flavor house or 
getting a formulation. So what does that mean? It means like coming up with your actual ingredient list and figuring out what you want this made of. So I Googled, what is a flavor house? And all of these different options came up of actual places to create beverages. And then as I was researching the flavor houses, some of them do alcohol, some do not. And then as I started researching the ones that do alcohol, some do hard alcohol, some do wine, some just do wine, some do both. So then you have to figure out, okay, do I want this in a bottle or can? Because some only do bottles and then some do cans. And then it was, what size do I want the can in? And because some only do eight ounce cans. So it was really getting clear on like, oh, wow, every single rabbit hole is taking me down a new place. And it's a lot of research. It's a lot of time, but it's really, really fun because it's something that you're interested in. And I just remember spending months, the first two to three months, every single night on Google and just reading these different flavor houses, different can sizes, different can options, certain formulations can't go in cans. So really kind of starting to learn as much as you possibly can about this concept that you're starting to look at. So you know, depending on what your concept is, maybe you want to make fitness caps for high ponytails. Maybe you want to make a breathable yoga pant, but you're going to do it totally different. Maybe you want that little butt pucker wedgie thing in the back and you'd start Googling, you know, what that looks like and how to do that and who manufactures those. And maybe you'd be like, oh my gosh, I just found out Gymshark has the same kind of style I want. Why don't I find out who they get manufactured through? Because sometimes that manufacturer could manufacture for 30 different companies and you don't even realize it. And then they just slap a little like Gymshark label on there. I don't know if that's how Gymshark does it, but this is how a lot of companies do it, right, Lauren? Like we were just in wine country in Sonoma and found out that we went to a sparkling winery, essentially, who makes a lot of sparkling wine and they do all of the majority of the sparkling wines for the U.S., like if you want a sparkling wine, you could potentially white label, which means it's just one formulation and you put your label on it. So there's so many things out there that you don't even realize that you just need to spend the next month researching this idea that you have and potentially what is the closest idea that is already in existence to the concept that you have and then find out who do they use? Who's their manufacturer? Who's their co-packer? What's their warehouse? Like, where are they sold? Who are the people behind it? Do those people have a book or a podcast or a website that talks about what they're doing? So it really is just a giant research time when you are starting to think of a concept. And I can tell you that no matter what your concept is, there is a way to do it or do something close to it. It's just up to you to put in the research and ask the questions. And even if it hasn't been done before, it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. It just means that you need to find the right people who can figure out how to bring this product to life. I will say if there's not a lot of it out there, it could mean that number one, you've landed in the world's most incredible white space of all time that you are about to come up with something that is so crazy, unbelievable. But it could also mean that there might be a whole lot of walls. There might be reasons for why this has not happened yet. There might be laws that are in place why you can't, but I don't even think that laws that are in place, even if they are in place, it doesn't mean they can't be changed. And what do I mean by this? I mean, even with direct-to-consumer wine, this was something that was not very doable before for someone like me 
who is not a winery to be like, hey, I want to have a wine company and ship direct to consumer. This wasn't even legal not that long ago, you know, like five, 10 years ago, it wasn't even legal, but laws have changed and they're changing even more right now because of people like me rooting they're asking to change the laws. And then also, I don't know if you guys are watching the Netflix series, the Uber series, they actually launched what they were doing illegally. I'm not saying you should do this, but I'm just saying go watch the series. And they ended up changing a law because of what they were doing. So with that said, anything is possible when you are thinking about a concept and bringing it to life. So concept to pitch. What you want to do is come up with how your concept is going to work. So that's why you're doing all of this research. You're going to show who you could potentially use. Doesn't mean you have to be using them, but you're going to show how this potentially could come to life and you're going to put it in a pitch deck. Now, if you don't know what a pitch deck is, you can literally Google, how do I make a pitch deck? And Google will show you a bunch of different pitch decks. You can start to research what goes into a pitch deck. What is the most basic pitch deck? And from there, ask somebody who either have a business like yours or who is out in the world, ask them if they will just review your pitch deck and what they think of it. If they say no, find somebody else. If you are somebody who is like, this is really hard. Everybody's saying no to me. I don't know what to do. And you find yourself giving up. Then I actually don't think you're somebody who should be an entrepreneur. And I'm not saying that rudely. I'm literally saying, if you are discouraged by walls and by no's, then the entrepreneur route is probably not for you because that's all there is. And when people hear no over and over to know that you are a true entrepreneur who should be one. And this is not like a, I really am in the world of, look, it may not be for you, but there's a million positions in the world that you're so needed and you're so important and you're going to cause such a beautiful ripple effect in the world and, and your purpose is so huge still. But if you're somebody who's very discouraged by walls and by no's, then this is bringing something to life is absolutely not for you because that's all that this path is paved with is no's and this is not possible and you're crazy and this isn't going to work. That's all I've heard since the start. So I think that that's the first thing that I want to say is that no is just the very beginning of the start. And you should have hundreds, if not thousands of no's before your concept even comes to life and people see the pitch. So from there, getting yourself together a pitch deck, that's just more about the Google machine. So I'm not going to go too far into that because those are your first steps. Those are the most important things is research how this concept will come to life and then put it together in a pitch deck. And then from there, that's really, we can do a whole other podcast on that. But those are the two most important things that you can start with. And you also explain to people if they need a pitch deck, no matter if they're investing or if, if they're getting investors or if they're not getting investors, do they need a pitch deck still to bring to a manufacturer depending on what they're creating? I definitely would because people are going to want to see what you're thinking. So let's say we're even going to a manufacturer or co-packer. They're like, okay, well, what size cans do you want? What do you want this to look like? Like they need to know what you want to create. So a pitch deck, at least for the concept of how it looks, what goes into it, how you think you want it to be made. What do you want it to be made from? What do you want it to look like? How do you want this to ship? What do you want it to ship in? Like they need to have all of these ideas. You need to essentially 
picture it as you're going in and showing them exactly what you want. And then from there, it's obviously going to change. You have to be really flexible. But then some things you don't need to be flexible on, right? Like Lauren, we thought that we were like hellbent on a painted can because we thought it felt more luxurious. We were hellbent on gold lids because we just thought it was stunning, except we can't afford the painted cans because we can't order a million at first, which I hate even saying we can't afford it, but we will very soon. It's going to be great. And also the gold lids, it was we had to order a million at a time. So guess what? We are doing beautiful wraps with silver lids. And that's what we're doing for now. Will it change? Maybe, maybe not, because we ended up finding a way to make those look incredibly luxurious and beautiful. But those were some things that I went in and I was hellbent on. I was like, nope, this is what we're getting. And we knocked down every door and still got the same answer. So because done is better than perfect. And we said, how can we make the very, very best of what we have to work with right now? That is what we're going with. So I think being hellbent on certain things, like we have a definite look that we are not giving up on and that we have like iterated so many different times, so many different iterations to create the exact look that we want. And we're not launching without the look that we want, but it may be, it is in a different way than we thought from the beginning. So true. Yes. Okay. So then as far as pitch to bring it to life, we haven't really touched on that yet. So you have your pitch deck, whether that's for a co-packer, whether that's for a manufacturer or whether that is for an investor. And for some of you, you may need to start thinking of investors pending on when you go to a manufacturer or when you talk to someone who is doing this, you're going to want to ask for the minimum runs. Like what are your minimum numbers that you can start with? So let's say it's a facial product and you know you want it to be from this manufacturer because they use all organic ingredients and there's only a few who you can find who do this. You need to ask those manufacturers that you want what their minimum run is of the thing that you want. Obviously, starting with less SKUs, meaning less items is better because your cost is going to be lower. So with that said, you ask what that minimum amount is to run it. And then your packaging, how much does that cost? And you get your numbers together, a rough estimate of your numbers. And you say, okay, do I have the money to start this in bootstrap? Like if you put together your numbers for your website, like putting together all of your numbers, what will it cost to get this out to the public? So putting that together and looking at, can I afford this? Can I take out a loan on this to do this? How much would the financing be on that loan? What does this look like? How do I feel with running this for the next two, three years at this cost? And deciding, do I want to raise money? Do I want to take out a loan? Do I want to crowdfund? These are all different things that you can look at. Most people will probably need to... Actually, there's a lot of people who bootstrap if you do like a very small run, which I think is a really great way to start. Like, let's say, Lauren, you want to start a face lotion and you find out that your minimum run with all of your packaging to do a hundred of them is $5,000. I would say, 
you know what? Let's definitely bootstrap that. Do not raise money for that. Let's do a small run and just see if your audience even wants it. Like, let's see if you sell out of that hundred within the first month. Like this is a really great way to test your market and see. So I would say bootstrap whenever possible, just to even see if the concept works. But then if you have an idea that you want just to scale really fast, you want to get out to the masses, you already know that this concept would work because you've tested it within your audience whether that was with selling something that was similar to it, whether you know you have an audience that really buys from you already. Maybe you're a celebrity. Maybe you have a following of a million or more people. Maybe you have hundreds of thousands of people and you have an incredible mailing list that you've been selling to for a lot of years. Then you could say, okay, if I want to raise money, what does this look like? What are my options for raising money? So that's really what this would start to look like if you want to start with a higher run of things, if you want to scale in a bigger way, meaning hire people in your company to help get it out who have gotten other companies off the ground. Scaling fast can look like, like I said, hiring teams who have done this before. It can look like raising money to be able to do a large campaign, like an advertising campaign. But I think scaling fast is definitely about the team that you hire. So true. And then knowing that from the beginning, like, do you want to do this on your own or do you want to do it with other people or one other person or, or a whole team? Like, what do you actually want your day-to-day life to look like? Because even for you, you're like, I know what I want. I know I don't want this and I know I do want to keep it small. So that's good knowing knowing what you want before you even go into this route as well. What do you want your work style to look like in the next couple of years? Oh, yeah, that is such a great point that you just added. And, you know, in the beginning, it was like, well, I could totally bootstrap, I could start really small, and I could do it all myself. And I had done this before. And I had spent lots and lots of hours working myself to death. And I was like, I don't think I want to go that route again. And I actually don't think it's in the best interest of the company to bootstrap and be doing all of the work that I am not good at. So I raised money to hire a financial team, to hire an amazing chief of staff, to hire Yego, who is helping us put together our co-packing and our manufacturing and someone who already knows so that we're not doing all of the research. And Yego is an amazing person who is doing all of that for us. And these are just things that if I was doing this myself, I wouldn't have slept. Like I wouldn't be sleeping whatsoever. I would be working probably 18 to 20 hours a day and be absolutely miserable. And I would never be able to bring this thing to life. So there are definitely those people who they are on board for that. But I don't believe that that is in the best interest of a company, in my personal opinion, because I really, really believe in creating things to have sustainable entrepreneurs and sustainable employees and really thinking like long term, what does this look like for their health and their life? Wow. Yeah. So smart. I love that you said mainly with this whole, from getting your concept to pitch, to bring everything to life is doing as much research as you can in the beginning and knowing what you want. Think about your exact life, what type of thing you're building and what type of team you want to build. And then know along the way too, that you're still going to continue to do research because you're going to still go down rabbit holes and get more and more and more information as you go through the process. So you're preparing as much as you can and then still doing the same thing every single couple days, seriously, as it goes on, maybe every day, like you're still doing so much research, not just up front, but ongoing as well. 
and tweaking, but you at least have Mm -hmm. your game plan out there up front and knowing that it will change slightly along the way. But I think that's good to map it out first and then just keep adapting. You know, while you're mapping, you're not going to feel like you know anything. You have to ask a lot of questions and continue to just Google like a maniac and see if you can get on the phone or email people who are in your business, who are in your genre of whatever it is that you want to do, because there's so much on the internet, you guys. And there's a lot of, you know, if you find a business that you love, that is like what you want to do, research the founders and the people who were involved, whether that is on LinkedIn or whether that is searching their name on podcasts to see what podcasts they've been on. I remember when Alix from Bev was on a few different podcasts and I just like was like, tell me all of the things. And I learned so much just from listening to someone who was in a like business as mine. And now it's like, now there's so many podcasts on wine, on direct-to-consumer. We listen to a lot of DTC podcasts, which is amazing. That's all for people in the direct-to-consumer businesses. There's a podcast for everything. So there's really no excuse to be like, I don't know what to do. It's a matter of, I want to see that you are putting in like four to six hours of research on the thing that you want to do. Like, go ahead, turn Netflix on, but have your laptop for like three, four hours in the evening, just researching everything. You're going to learn more than you can possibly imagine. So, so, so good. That leads me into this next question too, which is how do you find the room that you should be in? And how do you get the women or men who inspire you to see you? All right. So we're going to wrap on this question. I'm going to be brief on this one because how do you find the rooms that you need to be in? This again is Googling. I mean, like I have started and run businesses literally through Google. The thing is, is when you're looking for what rooms you should be in, there's so many events now and there's so many people putting on events who are kind of like the leaders in your industry that if we're looking for alcohol events or things like that to learn about alcohol, not just drink it, that's all you have to Google is like beverage events or wine business events. And you can't imagine what comes up because so many people now are doing such good SEO, that search engine optimization, that you literally can put anything in Google and and a bunch of different things will come up. So when all else fails, find somebody in your industry and just DM them to death. Like they're going to end up answering you. So, you know, if I right now started DMing five people in the wine industry and DM'd them for a week straight, I would get an answer. Like, hey, where do you go to learn? Where do you go to network in the wine world? Where do you go in this world and who do you know? They're going to send you somewhere. And if you're not getting an answer, you're just not asking enough people or the right question because eventually you will get an answer. And then how do you get those people in that industry to notice you? Same thing that I just said, really asking a ton, but also when you ask Always ask if there's something that you can do for them. How can I add value to you? What are you working on right now? And a lot of times if people are ignoring you or looking away while you're talking to them, you probably either have a really needy energy about you or you're not being interested enough in them or you're not 
asking how you can add value or trying to add value before you even meet them. So, you know, if there's a someone in the wine industry who maybe has a podcast and I'm just like, hey, I want to be on your podcast. Hey, can you tell me all the things? And I'm not sharing their product a ton before I meet them or I'm not leaving a, a great review for them on Amazon. If I'm not commenting on their stuff all the time, like these are the ways that you get noticed. Comment on their stuff all the time. Share it. Drive your audience to it. Ask for a link so that you can help sell their stuff. Say, hey, I'd love to, you know, be an affiliate. Say, hey, I just shared this podcast with my community. It may be small, but it is mighty. Look at all these people sharing it. Hey, I have a small newsletter, but I really want to put your product in it. I notice these people. But if you just come at me and say, hey, I just found your podcast yesterday. I want to come on it. And here's why. Like, that's awesome. But you did not add any value to me and you found me yesterday. So you saw like the numbers of people that listen. That just makes me feel shitty. So if that's what's happening and people are looking away or not returning the answers, that is why you need to show up and add value because we're all out here just trying to make it. Like little do you know, you think people are just out in the world thriving. It is real out there and running a business and just trying to keep your mental health afloat while running a business is like, so insane that we are really looking for people who are in equal energy exchange. Like, okay, I want to help you. How can I help you? But how can you also help me? And that's how I come at every single relationship is like, oh my gosh, if I need something from someone and I feel like I can't help them, I will go to town and be like, what could we offer them? What do you need? What is it that you're trying to get out in the world so that I can help you as well? One million percent. Yes. Yep. All right. You, you guys, can feel the energy. You can absolutely feel the energy. It's a very different, we were talking about this with Lauren because she teaches different classes and just the difference. And I used to, you know, teach classes as well. So I remember it really well where sometimes people come up and they're like, I'm doing all the things, but it's not working. And you're like, yeah, but I'm watching you do the things and you're not putting the effort in. And, you know, you're still, I see that you go to this place to eat afterward and they're not doing all of the effort. So it's hard for you to want to give even more of yourself outside of what you've already given them because you know it won't be applied and they're not listening. So you guys, I think the biggest thing is show all of the things that you're doing and that you've done. And people want to help go-getters, right? Like you want to help people who are like seriously consistent in your world, right? So, so, so true. Yep. All right, you guys. So we're going to wrap. We are sending you so much love. Hopefully this helped. And again, you can text light pink, L-I-T-E-P-I-N-K, two words. So you can text light pink to 310-496-8363. And not only will you get all of our awesome updates and quotes and all of the fun things and mantras, but... Lauren also texts out asking if you have any questions and you can send your questions back after she sends that prompt for the podcast so that we can answer it. So, so grateful for you. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. 
They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently, and most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our lives life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. 
Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com.